2: Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com.
1: Well, hello. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it is Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. And this is our 342nd episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, we are back at our studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn, in the backyard of Roberta's. And I'm so excited to have my guest who's joining me. He is an outstanding Austrian-born and hotel-bred chef, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start out with my PR tip, then later we'll have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solar dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to let our travels inspire us. Yes, the world is full of beauty and magic that can fill our souls and give us purpose as instantly as a New York minute if we are open to it. Traveling to new and exotic places can not only bring experiences that will inspire, but create memories for a lifetime. So let's give it a go and grab our passports and see what life has in store for us, both near and far. The wonders of the world await. That's my tip today. Okay, I'm really thrilled to have my guest joining me here in the studio. It is Marcus Glocker. He is the chef and partner at Coloman, a contemporary French restaurant where he blends Parisian creativity with Viennese tradition in an iconic nomad location. And he recently received three stars from the New York Times. Marcus is Austrian born and hotel bred. After attending culinary school in Linz, Austria, he traversed Europe and America's finest kitchens in search of experience. Spending valuable years working alongside acclaimed chefs, including Charlie Trotter in Chicago and Gordon Ramsay in London and New York. And it received two Michelin stars during that time under his tenure. Marcus's passion and high standards have earned him many accolades, including a coveted Michelin star, more three stars from The New York Times and from New York Magazine, And in May of 2015, as executive chef and owner of Batard Restaurant in New York City, he was awarded Best New Restaurant in America by the James Beard Foundation. Without further ado, hi, Marcus. Welcome to the show. Hi, Shari.
3: That was a long introduction.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wanted to get it all in there. I wanted to let people know how fabulous you are just right off the bat. (laughs) Thank you so
3: much. Great to be here.
1: Well, it's really great to have you. And actually, just as I was, it just dawned on me, we were talking for the show about talking and interviewing, but it was at the James Beard Awards um, on the red carpet, I believe, that at least we have a photo together, but I think we had a we little do. conversation. So that was a big, big moment when you guys... It was
3: 2015, I think it was, no? When we had the James Beard Awards, yes. Yeah. With Patard Restaurant, which was uh, quite an, an amazing experience. I always heard about the James Beard Awards. You know, I used to work for Charlie Trotters. He was a multi, uh, multi-winning James Beard Award winner. So it was... In stunning experience to be a part of that whole uh, uh, community and actually being there and winning on top of it was uh, yeah it was amazing.
1: Yeah well that's I mean it's incredible and I remember it was incredible being there with, with you all of you and celebrating um, but we're jumping ahead a little bit so let's go back. To the beginning, um, I always like to start with my guests and find out how they got into the industry. So you want to you take us back a little bit to this hotel background?
3: Yeah, so my family, I mean, my, my aunt uh, has a hotel, as you can picture it in Austria. It's basically on the mountain. There's a couple of cows around. <laughs> there is uh, 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 about 60 rooms in the hotel. And, you know, it's very traditional. There's live music. It's a really picturesque Austrian kind of hotel. Uh, It's very traditional. It's nothing fancy. It's like my aunt in the kitchen. There's maybe one or two other people in the kitchen. And, uh, you know, they were serving about 200 people a day. Um, And I was uh, lucky enough to work down my holidays at a very early age to be a part of the service team. My grandfather was, uh, you know, brewing beer and my aunt was cooking. And I was helping out to to serve uh, beverages and, you know, selling breads and all the kind of things. And at the same time, I helped out as well... uh, all around the building as well so to 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 see all the aspects of the uh, hospitality industry. Um, My aunt has no, uh, they had no kids so uh, they uh, proposed to me when I was 18 years old to uh, take over uh, the hotel and I said uh, hell no. Uh, (laughs) I was not seeing myself with 18 years old uh, somewhere in a mountain uh, running a hotel so I just uh, you know I wanted to experience the world I wanted to see uh, new places and then I started my journey of uh, moving to Germany, London, and many other places.
1: Amazing, what, I mean, what was uh, a highlight of, of the European restaurants or places you worked in?
3: I, you know, I did my military service that was uh, mandatory in Austria. So after that, I actually left. I just did my apprenticeship in Austria, which was in a place called uh, Ramada Hotels back in the time. It's, uh, it's a very, uh, as you know, here in the US, it's a very simple hotel. But everything was cooked fresh uh, at the time, and it was really like a a Russian executive chef, I remember, Uh, uh, Yechko was his name. He was uh, ruthless in the kitchen, let's put it this way. But he teached us a lot, and uh, he sort of gave me the appetite to to learn more. And when I finished my my military service, I went to the Hotel Seiten in Munich, which was at that point one of the best hotels in Germany. Uh, which had a mission star restaurant in there as well, Walter Spiel, and uh, so that's how my journey started. The first time I saw caviar, the first time I saw again uh, foie gras, uh, those kinds of things. And the chef there, Andreas Meyer, really uh, nurtured me. He took me on his wings, and uh, you know he taught me for two years, and then he sent me off to the next person. And that was sort of a, a, a journey I, I had until I was working with Gordon Ramsay, and even then, uh, with Gordon Ramsay, he nurtured me as well to uh, take over. Uh, at that time in uh, New York, the London Hotel, uh, for a while. But uh, after that, I wanted to do my own uh, uh, sort of journey, and luckily, I, I found a, a great partner at that time, which was John Winterman and uh, Drew Neipperd, to partner up to uh, open a restaurant called Patard.
1: Amazing! I have to back up again what, quickly, that was fast, though. I know. <laughs> no, no, that was wonderful. But we have to talk a little about Charlie Trotter.
3: Yes, absolutely. Because
1: I I worked there. I think you know that. Of I was a server there in 1997, mm-hmm. 96, 97, and um, you were there in the early 2000s. 2000s yes. Okay. Um, that was was that before or after Gordon Ramsay? That was
3: I uh, I worked twice for Gordon Ramsay. Uh, all in I was working for but. 10 okay. years for him. Okay. The first time I was working, uh, we opened a place in London called uh, Claridge's Hotel, uh, Gordon Ramsay at Claridge's, which was absolutely amazing. And then I left and I actually went back to Munich, uh, did a stint with uh, Eckhart Witzigmann, uh, the only three-star chef in Germany back in the time. Uh, and... Then I got, uh, I always wanted to go to Charlie Trotters, but it was very hard to get the visa. And Charlie was not very easy uh, to uh, take somebody on from Europe at that time either. So he made me fly over there three times. <laughs> wow. um, I, I always love to tell this story because my dad was like really uh, saying to me, like, why I'm doing this? And I said, like, I don't care why I want to go there. I want to work there. So I flew to Chicago three times um, to stash there twice. One time was like just uh-huh. to see the city. But twice he made me Stage and then he was saying to me, now I know you're serious enough to work for me. And then I actually uh, filed all the paperwork and actually I, I got over there. And There was not many many Europeans working at Charlie Trotters at that time.
1: Yeah, I'm um, thinking back from my time and I... There was yeah,
3: not, you're right. not a single one as I, I can recall at that time. So I sort of appreciated this about him as well, about Charlie, that he was very... Adamant and serious about you really want to do this. It's not just like coming over here and like yeah uh, trying to do it. It's like you you want to be a part of this team. And uh, when I saw Bill Kim and Giuseppe Tentori and Matt Murges all these people in the kitchen in one in one mm-hmm. room, I knew I want to be there.
1: How long were you there then?
3: I was about two years there okay. because yeah, two years was the visa.
1: Well, we overlapped. I mean, Matt. Matthias, I mean, who's there when I was there? I mean, a lot of people were there for a while. But, um, and the movie just came out that I think you, you saw, I saw as well. I saw, yes, I saw. Um, there's a wonderful documentary out now called Love, Charlie, The Rise and Fall of Chef Charlie Trotter. And the producer, Rebecca Halpern, she's going to come on my show oh, um, in February. But I also, I heard about this through Ray Harris.
3: Yes, um, who was a
1: regular <laughs> at Trotters, and that's how I know him. And
3: regular at Charlie Trotters. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, and it's a yeah. So it's um.
3: Yeah, I mean, first of all, I mean, uh, Ray Harris, uh, dear to my heart. I I was twenty four years old at that time when I was working at Charlie Trotters.
1: That was my age too.
3: Yeah. So yeah. From that age on, Ray Harris still remembered every single person who worked in his kitchen and moved on to do something great. And he still supports everybody to come to the restaurant, to check in, to write an email or text, hey, congratulations. I mean it's 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 a very special it's a very special connection between not just Charlie, but between Ray Harris, Charlie and the whole community, all the all the professionals used to work for Charlie. It's it's quite amazing.
1: Yeah, I feel I feel I mean it was a very it was a hard job. I mean, you know that, I mean, it was a, it was a challenging job, but I, I am so grateful. I had that experience and I feel very lucky to be a part of that Same alum, year. that charter's alum. So, um, okay. So then you're in New York and you opened petard with, uh, with,
3: with Drew, Drew and, and another, John Winterman, yes. another
1: Charlie alum. <laughs> Absolutely.
3: John was there quite a, a bit earlier than I was there, uh, John always says like he was there in the good years. <laughs> I was laughing about that, <laughs> but uh, yeah, is uh, uh, you know we had the same uh, sort of idea of what we wanted to do with Bâtard. and uh, you know, again, Drew had this beautiful space uh, available, and it was quite a journey as well to really put this together. It was not so much about actually the design of the restaurant or like the real concept. It was really about service, great food, great wine. And let's make this as good as we can, and that's what that was the concept, and it really worked out.
1: Yeah, it did. I mean, it was very special, and very successful, and wonderful, wonderful. What you guys brought to Tribeca, Um, and then you were also for a time before the pandemic also working with Augustine.
3: Yes, I took a a consulting role on for Augustine, uh, for the kitchen part, and you know I. I know obviously Keith McNally for a long time, but it, it was more about like uh, when this opportunity came came along. I I loved the space of Augustine. For yeah, me, was for it's... me was this was sort of setting the the tone for me as well for quite a while. For actually, what I've been doing at Coloman as well now, I always wanted to have these two worlds together. Paris and Vienna was for me always a thing. I wanted to uh, uh, sort of melt together. Cuisine-wise, there's so many similarities anyway, but I do think from a, from a concept design and beverage point, uh, it's just a very unique uh, uh, feel. Austrian wines, French wines, the food, it's, it's it comes all very easily together with the right uh, ambience. And I think Augustine had a very good ambience for that as well. So I did my first uh, 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 steps there with the menu as well, which I wanted to uh, influence a little bit of, of uh, Viennese cuisine as well, but not overly... Uh, thriving in the way it is just viennese it was french viennese um and i really had a, a great time uh, cooking in this kitchen and uh, the, the people just felt well in the dining room it wasn't all just about the food it was just really about you you go there and you feel good and you have a bite to eat and wine uh i always say it's not always uh the chefs uh, uh you know the chefs uh, uh, must try that the food is everything in the restaurant it's it's not everything in the restaurant the restaurant is a uh, as a whole there's so many different aspects of it and I truly have to say uh, with uh, Magnelli's touch about lighting and everybody knows he is he's mm-hmm. a great eye for this it brings it together and it was a, it was a very nice experience
1: 100% I agree with everything you said um, <laughs> it's so true yeah he's he's really a master of creating a room that has uh, the right lighting and the right energy and and you are bringing the, the right food it was uh, yeah it was, it was great that you were, you were doing that for, for that time. So this is a good segue though, into to where you're at now. And so what the, when, when did the idea or you were, you started working on or looking for your own space and like, I mean. It- yes,
3: I looked, obviously everybody had the same uh, problem with the pandemic and obviously it was a very tough time for a lot of uh, people in our industry. Um, but I sort of used that time as well. I had the idea of what I wanted to do for a long time and I, I couldn't follow through in a certain way with, you know, not every space is made for, for every type of restaurant. So I knew I needed a, a space which has high ceilings, has sort of a grander European look, uh, but as well has good bones that, that you actually financially can succeed as well in the future. So, uh, I was on the hunt for that space. And when, uh, when the space of the Breslin came along, which uh, I was lucky to uh, work together with a a group called EHV. Um, When I had my business plan ready, there was a different name attached to the business plan. Actually the name of the uh, the restaurant I wanted to initially open was Vienne, but we all agreed that that's not, might be not the the smartest name to call a restaurant Vienne since you wanted to French and uh, uh, Viennese cuisine together. people might be a little bit confused by it. So, However, we worked together, we had a branding agency, and we really brainstormed about different names and uh, how can we get these two uh, uh, cuisines together in a name, which maybe the design part is inspired by Vienna, but the food part is inspired by something else. So with the space, the bones, the location, I said, this is it. And we started uh, working on the space. It took us about a year to get everything done, since it's obviously a landmark uh building and oh, there's a lot landmarked. of uh, okay. there's a lot of hurdles you have to overcome Yeah, uh, you know but it's again that's the character of New York that's an old building that's what I wanted uh, to restore, to restore the ceiling to, to keep some sort of uh, a flair to the space which everybody pretty much enjoyed even when they went to uh, Breslin back in yeah. the time it was always a great space uh, to hang out a lot of industry people uh, came there even after service have to have to beer together and brainstorm and talk and that's sort of that feeling i wanted to uh, uh, recreate in the space with obviously a different kind of food and different kind of concept but uh, that was the that was the target and then obviously we had at the lucky uh, uh lucky moment that katya sharnago uh you know our new beverage director from le bernardin uh, yeah. she was in the market so i said like okay we need to get uh Cathy on board since that would be the missing link for, for the concept as well. So she's just phenomenal in French wine and in Austrian wines specifically. So that being said, you know, the concept came uh, together from a, from a beverage standpoint, food standpoint and design.
1: Yeah, no, it all makes sense. And I mean, having, having gone and dined there and had a fabulous, fabulous meal, dinner. um, And the space is wonderful. And I love the, I love the open kitchen or the, the seeing the pass. Yeah. Um, you don't really see, not totally open kitchen, but you kind of see in there a little bit. Um, but I would say when I walked in, having been to the Breslin, the space to me was unrecognizable as the Breslin. Like you really changed it up. Um, and and I thought that was amaz- amazing. That, you know, it's still, as you said, I had the bones, but you were able to really create a new a new restaurant. Yeah, um, And the location, Nomad, Fantastic. So it's, it's awesome that you, you found this spot. Um, going back to the name Koloman, what, what does it mean?
3: So Koloman is actually Koloman uh, Moser, used okay. to be uh, the founder of the, one of the founders of the uh, Viennese Secession or Wiener Werkstätte, which was Gustav Klimt and Hoffmann. And that was a design movement uh, in the late 1800s. And we basically used that sort of design element for the space as well. All the wallpaper, we have uh, all the lighting came from Vienna. Uh, It's the same design. The original design just built Uh for us again. There's about 52 lamps in the whole uh, uh, space, which are all niche and corners and the lighting is perfect. Uh, But the design of the actual uh, lamps is sort of the original design of Koloman Moser. And so if that gives it, you know, that's certain touch. You know, that's that's what we went for.
1: Well, that makes sense. And for people who need a visual of what the, what we're saying, it's it's a K K O L O M A N Koloman. Coloman.
3: Yeah, it's not, uh, not it's not necessarily the easiest name. <laughs> and it is, Alta, but you know, it's 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 sort of like I wanted to be a little uh, provocative as well with yeah. the name. Yeah. That uh, that might be uh, people might recognize the name and and people uh, will remember
1: it. Yeah, I think it's great. Okay, let me ask you my question for my last guest, because this kind of ties in here. Um, on episode 341, I had on Ben Leventhal. He's the founder and CEO of Blackbird Labs, a new loyalty membership and payments technology company, and he's also the co-founder and former CEO of Resi and the co-founder of Eater. So he kind of knows stuff about restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> sure. so, so his question is... How does the clientele in Nomad differ from from the clientele that you previously had in Tribeca, as well as other neighborhoods? Does the neighborhood inform the way you design the menu space, the style of service? And if so, how did you use Nomad to form your new restaurant? It's a good question.
3: It's a very good question. Um, I mean, I'm a big believer. If the product is good, people will, will come to you. Uh, It's, Mostly it doesn't really matter where you are. If the product is really sensational, the people will travel to you. I mean, we look at uh, Montrachet from Tronipor back in the time. He opened a sensational restaurant uh, at that time. And and people traveled to Tribeca, which was at that time not necessarily the best neighborhood. And I, I, I do think that's that comes uh, to this day. I think it's, it's, it's true. If the product is good and uh, you have something to sell which people want, people will travel to you. The only thing I would say is very different is like, you have to position yourself, which uh, which clientele you really want to attract in the demographic. So Nomad is, is quite young uh, right now. It's it's very fast paced, it's very busy. There's a lot going on on the, on the streets. There's a lot of walking business as well. So that's maybe sometimes a little bit challenging to get like this, the real diner who wants to have three, four courses to the person who is just popping in for a glass of wine and, and wants to have some oysters. But again, that's the beauty of us to figure this out as uh, the service team to to bring these these two worlds together and like still make it a, 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 still make it feel good for for either way of the diners. You know, that's sort of the the way I see it. However, I I do love the nomad uh, area because it was sort of a little rough around the edges back in the time. Uh, during the pandemic, actually, it got rough again.
1: Yeah, and when I it's interesting you say that because I remember when I moved to New York in the ninety eight. And those, I mean, those early years, I didn't, that neighborhood was, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't what it is today. And the pandemic, it did kind of revert a little bit, but it's, it's a lot of, I mean, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of amazing restaurants and hotels. And I mean, it's a very beautiful, wonderful happening neighborhood.
3: Absolutely. My thinking was this, like Ace Hotel 11 years ago or was it even more than that, when they opened up?
1: Sounds around, right. Something something like
3: that. So I I thought they put Nomad, the area on the map. They really did. After that, the Nomad Hotel came. And after that, many other restaurants came. And I thought, like, during the pandemic, uh, this was all gone. Mm -hmm. And I thought to be a part of this neighborhood again, to to really elevate this again, which is now the Net is taking over the Nomad. We took over the... The Breslin space. There's Andrew Camellini opening something around the corner as and well. And Jose Andres Jose across Andres. the
1: street. Yeah, the
3: Virgin Hotel. I, I think the whole area is like is like ready to to accommodate all guests and, and and businesses again, and it's just very exciting to be a part of that.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. So talk a little about your menu and what your what's what's been popular, signature dishes or. I mean, it's all your souffles and your
3: yeah, it's, fantastic
1: salmon and crout. Am I saying that right? Yes, Dave? you are. Yes.
3: Yeah, the menu was uh, something I wanted to have a little bit of technique in there, and I, I want to have a little bit of, of fun doing things behind the scenes as well. But at the same time, I wanted to be very, very clear and uh, focused on like not putting myself on the plate. As a, as a chef, I wanted to make sure that the people have a good time and, and they, they come back for dishes they want to see again for like the souffle or the souffle for two for desserts. Um, the salmon and is not the salmon and you expect. Uh, it's, it's a fun way to put this together. But again, it's not intimidating. It's, it's something recognizable and, and people feel comfortable eating that. And that was a very big factor for me putting this restaurant together. It should not be intimidating to go to Coloman. And, and see like, uh, do I have to dress up, or should I dress down, or can I eat it like this, or do I have to ask somebody how to eat it? It was very important for me. Everybody can be themselves, and that's a part of the, the whole concept as well. So when we have like the schnitzel on the menu, you know, the schnitzel is, you know, it's an Austrian classic, everybody does it. But again, it's a very difficult dish when you do it the way we do the koloman and clarified butter fried, you know, shallow fried and clarified butter. We have the potato salad just made before service, every day fresh, never goes into the fridge, so it preserves the flavor, gets freshly done the next service. Uh, there's a lot of work going into very simple dishes, but I believe that I was very proud when I read the, the New York Times review was that actually Pete Wells, I think he saw that aspect of how simple the food was, but he saw as well how much work we put into it. And it was very, yeah. It uh, was very, uh, uh, very nice to see.
1: Oh, it's amazing! No, congratulations! It was a really wonderful review. You've gotten a lot of really wonderful reviews, and well deserved. Um, and I don't know. For some reason, the salmon dish does it. I don't tell me if I'm wrong, but it reminds me a little like if there was an influence from Trotter's from that dish.
3: Yes, I mean there's there's a lot of influences from a lot of different chefs I used to work for. Uh, they certain ideas and aspects you're going to take. Of course, Charlie was a master of seafood. I mean, there's, I've, I've rarely seen people uh, uh, working with seafood like Charlie did back in the time, you know. I mean, I remember my first time I opened a box of fish from the Skiji market, which was fluent in, as you remember, twice a week.
1: Yeah. And, and
3: <laughs> I remember the invoice, like it was like $2,100, and I think there was four fish in there. And I couldn't believe that somebody's paying that much for fish, and this was in 2003 or four, So just just to, to work with the fish like this and that Charlie allowed you to actually put your hands on a product like this with uh, 24 years old was, was, was quite good you know and so that's how I learned to, to work with fish and, and seafood and definitely those as aspects of curing fish which is a big part of this uh, on crude dish as well I, I got from Charlie yes absolutely
1: yeah well it's cool but yeah you have a lot of a lot of places you got experience and influence to then creating your dishes and doing what you're doing today. Um, which, which is why also with my tip, I was, I was actually, there was, I was, when I was thinking of my tip, there's a quote you have on your website about travel and inspiration. That's kind of what I was thinking of tying it together because travel, you know, you're saying it really has inspired and influenced. Exactly.
3: And everybody wants to share their stories on on, on the table. And uh, what is really the restaurant's purpose is like to bring people together. They have a good conversation. They have great food and they leave and, and talk about it uh, to their friends and hopefully come back uh, whenever they feel like and and expect that, that essence of a restaurant we we wanted to create again.
1: Yeah. That's it's wonderful. What um before we take a break like what advice would you give to someone who wants to be a chef or restaurateur and have their own place?
3: Um, <laughs> it's 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 difficult but you know it's it's hard times right now in, in the hospitality industry there's a lot of curveballs uh, left and right but I, I romanticized the, the, the hospitality business the same way as when I was 15 years old. And, you know, I'm, I'm over 40 years old now. I, I still do it. So it's it's a longevity. It's, it's, you, have to, you have to work on it for a long time to get to the point where you want to be. And it's, again, everybody says it, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. But it is a marathon. And if you stick to it and you're going to work hard, uh, it will come.
1: Great advice. And on that note, let's take a little break. Great. Uh, we will come back. We'll play my speed round game, talk some industry news. I have my solo dining experience and the final question. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. When we say Heritage Radio Network is listener-supported radio, we mean we can't make the episode you're listening to right now without your donations. Keep All in the Industry on the air and help us reach our 2022 fundraising goals before December 31st. By donating to HRN today at heritageradionetwork.org/donate, every dollar amount helps fund this show as well as 30 other HRN podcasts. And as our gift to you, when you donate $90 before the end of the year, you'll receive a limited edition shirt designed exclusively for HRN listeners by graphic artist Chema Scandal. Help us reach our year-end goals by making a tax-deductible donation either as a one-time gift or as a monthly sustaining contribution at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. All donors become HRN members and get first notice of special events and Food Radio Insider News updates. We thank you for your support.
2: This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com.
1: Welcome back to Own the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Marcus Glocker. He's the chef and partner at Coloman in the nomad neighborhood of New York City. And it is time for my speed round game. So what this is, is I'm going to name a couple things and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. Ready?
3: Great. Let's do it.
1: Okay, here we go. Eat in at home or eat out at a restaurant?
3: Eat out at a restaurant.
1: Indoor dining or fresco dining? Indoor. Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? Champagne. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge?
3: Um, tipping.
1: Okay, a couple more: schnitzel or strudel?
3: <laughs> uh, I would say strudel.
1: Strudel. Okay, you, I know you make two, but you make them both great. <laughs> um, another one that might be uh, a tough one for me to choose. Well, maybe not. I don't know. Cheese souffle or chocolate souffle?
3: Uh, definitely a cheese souffle. Absolutely.
1: Okay. Yeah. I was thinking about it. I'd probably do the chocolate, <laughs> <laughs> which leads to my final last two. The last, um, we have, um, cheese plate or dessert
3: Dessert, Absolutely.
1: And Manhattan or Brooklyn? Uh, Manhattan. Wow. That was, uh, that was, you got the speed of the speed round. That was great. <laughs> um, very cool. And I was thinking with the alfresco question, um, you don't, could you have alfresco dining at the, at your restaurant at Coloman or is the Ace not set no, up we, for that?
3: we could. Uh, okay. We, we would build something if it's necessary, but, uh, but I think the space is, the space in certain aspects of a dining experience, you have to be in a space to, to yeah. get the whole, to get the whole experience.
1: Yeah. I get it. Um, well, cool. Great. That was the game. <laughs> So for industry news this week, I picked out an article, it was on a bunch of publications, but the one I have was in Bon Appetit, and it's entitled, This is the full list of California restaurants that kept, earned, or lost Michelin stars in 2022. Everything to know about the restaurants in Michelin's 2022 California Restaurant Guide. This was by Nico Avail. And just the other day, this was announced, the California Michelin um, Michelin Guide, um, Who Got Stars, Who Got Stars Taken Away. Um, just, yeah, I talk about, I tend to show be very New York City centric when things happen. And so I figure, well, let's, uh, this was big news for West Coast. And um, it was talking about how there's now a total of seven, three star restaurants um, in California. They a new three-star is Addison, which is in San Diego. So congratulations to them. And they have um, 12 restaurants were awarded two stars. That was um, compared to 14 last year. And there are 70 restaurants received a single star up from 65. And they had said 80. They now have 89 restaurants um, in Michelin on this list. And that says, protecting California's reputation as the nation's largest hub of Michelin-starred restaurants. Um, So I don't know, I thought it'd be, well, first of all, congratulations to everyone. Um, And I thought it'd be cool to talk with you about it, like, as someone who has a, as a chef in a restaurant and with Michelin, like, what do you, I mean, what's your take on this? Like, how, how important are stars or, or how do you, I mean, how do you feel about Michelin
3: (laughs) how do you feel about Michelin I mean (laughs) I came up with uh, restaurants the over Michelin star driven from Gordon Ramsay and uh, even with Charlie Trotters at that time there was no Michelin guide in Chicago but again he had two stars uh, at that time Um, Eckert Witzig won three stars I I always cooked in Michelin star kitchens but not necessarily just because the Michelin stars I I knew there was a certain standard attached to it and I think that's what chefs are looking for is uh, when you're a young chef and you want to work in a place, you know what's the standard attached to to the stars and what's the st- who's telling you this restaurant is good. It cannot just be the guest; it has to be a certain uh, a proclaim to it. And I think that Michelin was or is in that uh, perspective still the leading uh, uh, the leading source of of going to those restaurants, especially in Europe. Uh, in the U.S. now, it's 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 becoming a big big thing as well. Um, but I do think, you know, certain standards are filling with Michelin, um, which I appreciate about it. And, you know, it is it's damn hard to, to get a Michelin star. Two is incredibly hard and three is almost impossible. So um, it's, it's something that chefs have to be clear when they open a restaurant. Do I want this or not? And I think this is a question uh, which many chefs ask themselves. Uh, if you don't have Michelin stars, it doesn't mean you have a bad restaurant. Not yeah. at all. And I just think that some people don't understand that it's – it's you position yourself differently, but if you want to go the route of Mission Stars, you have to be aware that these are the certain standards you have to follow to get to that point. And it's 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 really a, it's really about doing your research, what's, what the outcome of the rest is supposed to be.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, well said. And I think – yeah, it's um, – I mean, I'm always – I've said this on the show before. Like, I think – I like celebrating restaurants and so and so I think these This is like, you know, I'm happy for the restaurants on the list and and it's it's but it's, you know, it's it's their list and they're subjective and there's lots, Absolutely. you know, so um, and I, I also just w- want to note they said they have Michelin um, introduced green stars um, and that awards it's an award that recognizes the culinary excellence. Uh, with outstanding eco-friendly commitments, and I thought that was that was a cool thing. They said they introduced, I think, in 2020, that they're mm-hmm. now giving as an addition to the red stars.
3: Because I think that's uh, tremendously important now. Yes, I mean, f- moving forward now. I mean, it's it's it was uh, Blue Hill uh, started everything up here in uh, in the in the New York area, and, and I think it's such an important thing that we're really going that route. Sustainability is is it's not just a word; it's really important in our, our business to to follow through on that. Uh, restaurants uh, create the the biggest waste in a lot of ways, so hotels. So if we're not going to start there, uh, where are we going to start?
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah, people can check out this list. I'll give a couple shout outs to uh, Manresa and Los Gatos, David Kinch restaurants, which is he's announced that um, is closing at the end of the year or moving on. But he's on the three star list. And uh, Atelier Kren, San Francisco, Dominique Kren's restaurants, three stars. And and Naka in Los Angeles, Nikki Nakayama is two stars. And I'm selfishly giving myself a little plug with that as well because I have a big announcement (laughs) that I'm segueing into, which I've been holding back talking about now for over a year, almost like a year and a half. I've been working on a project and it's a book and it's a book coming out um, in the spring and it's called Chef Wise. Life Lessons from Leading Chefs Around the World and it's with Fiden, they're the my publisher. And um the the chefs I just named are part of this book and it's I have 117 chefs around the world that I have um, curated this book with, um, gathering their advice on different topics between philosophy, inspiration, business, cooking. Um, there's 14 chapters and it's been a big passion project and a, kind of a, a dream project, um, for me to work on because I, as anyone listening to the show knows, I love restaurants. I love chefs and my travels around the world has really helped prepare me to do such a book. Um, because I have there's there's contributors including Massimo Botoro and Virgilio Martinez and Enrique Overo, um all around the world and other U.S. chefs like John George von Richten and Alice Waters, so I'm very excited about it. Um, I will be talking more about it now in this show, um, but I this is this is the big big announcement. If you want to check it out, you can go to Fiden.com. You can look for. Uh, chef wise you could just type that in or go to amazon.com and same thing um chef wise all one word and also i have a page on amazon amazon.com backslash author backslash sherry bayer um and i'm very excited about it as you can tell and um yeah so there you go chef wise new book
3: <laughs> congratulations
1: thank you thank you it's um yeah i just i just put the news out on social media and um The word is out. Can't wait to read it. Thank you. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Um, So now it's time for my solo dining experience. So this week I went to a restaurant called Jupiter. Here is the rundown. The location, 620 West 50th Street, lower level Rockefeller Center, New York City. The concept, it's a new restaurant featuring pasta and wine from regions of Italy. The owners... The team behind the restaurant King, which is in Soho, this is Chef Jess Chad Chef Claire De Boyer, and Annie She, who handles the wine program. Executive chef there is Gaz Herbert. why would I go? Well, new buzzed about place, and I'm a fan of King. So my experience. So I had a reservation for one last uh, I think it was last Tuesday, and um When I arrived, it was actually, it was in Rockefeller Center and there was was a lot of happening down there and I realized they were pre-taping for the big tree lighting ceremony the next night, um, so apparently Alicia Keys was in the rink uh, performing right when I arrived. And the restaurant is literally on the lower corridor, like a, like there's windows you could see across to the rink. But um, anyways, there's a lot happening there. Um, I checked in, my table wasn't ready yet, but um, I told them I was solo. They knew that, so I opted to sit at the bar. And the the space is is cool because it's um it's like a a U shaped bar that's like the bars on one side and then it whoops around the corner and the kitchen's on the other side. It's an interesting setup so I was in the in front of the bar like close to where. I'm saying whooped around um, to the other side. And I had a really nice server, um, helped me decide what to get. I could watch him making drinks while I was dining there. Um, I saw Annie, who was on the floor. We had a nice time chatting. I also ran into an industry friend, Sabado Sagaria, who was celebrating his birthday. And so that was cool. So I had a good experience. Uh, What did I get? I got the Carcifio al Judah or Judea. Um, which is fried artichoke of Rome. And I got the spaghetti con botargi di Mugine. I'm, I know I'm butchering these names. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, and it, that was with a Sardinian gray mullet roe and chopped chili. And then they gifted me dessert. They got the, I got the pasticcini which had some biscotti and truffles and candy orange in it. Um, and also the bartender made me a non-alcoholic version of Beretta, which was um, very nice to have um, with my meal. So my take, well, the fried art chokes were terrific, uh, perfectly fried I guess you'd say um, squeeze some lemon on it really nice um, and the pasta was great I'd say it's a little bit funky because it's like it it's a it has this fish row with it so it, it it grew on me with every bite and it was really delicious and the cookies were great I took I took most of them to go because I couldn't eat them all um so it was great the ambiance it's 140 seats Restaurant. Again, it's a U shape and with the open kitchen on one side and the bar on the other. It has red marble. Actually, the stool, I have to comment, the bar stool I was sitting on was like very interesting. It was, I mean, it's a high stool, but it was like a cushion, I'd say, but it didn't have a back. It was kind of like, it was interesting. Um, I mean, it it was comfortable, but it was different than what I've seen. It was very stylish, I'd say. So the design is stylish. Uh, Perfect for dinner with friends. Interesting tidbit. Jupiter is another way to say king. And the restaurant is a part of a major restaurant U Haul that's happening in Rockefeller Center. Personal fun fact I recently also went to another restaurant in Rockefeller Center that's on the other side of the rink, and that is Naro, which is a Korean handshake tasting menu. And that's the team behind Ataboy and Automix, including. JP Park and Elliot Park, and JP is in Chefwise. Excited about that. The cost of my meal was $46. That's not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes. Many more pastas and items on the menu to try, many more desserts too. I was eyeingly of a chocolate sorbet that looked really great. Um, so I will go back. And their website is jupiterrestaurant.nyc, and the Instagram is jupiter.new York. There you go. Have you have you had time to make it to Rockefeller Center? Not yet. <laughs> not
3: yet. <laughs> but I will. I will. Greg Beckstrom just opened a restaurant there too. I know. Family, yes, I just saw ago. that. It looks incredible. Can't wait to go.
1: I feel and I might be wrong, but I feel like that's the last of these like big big new restaurants which, you know, big name chefs going in. But um yeah, it's been it's been amazing to see these changes, and um, yeah, Jupiter's only been open a couple weeks. Yeah, so.
3: Larock is. I think that's Laroque, the first one. Yeah, I went yeah. To actually. It was fantastic.
1: Yeah, Larock was yeah. great.
3: Beautiful and, design as well. Really and welcome. Lodi
1: on the other side. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like Larock, and yeah, this is this is I think a place for um, it's a little it's a little more casual, I'd say, than Larock. Like you know, to get some mm-hmm. pastas and good wine, and and. You could take a spin ice skating afterward. (laughs) No, it's great.
3: I I love Restaurant King. I mean, I went there many times. It's always great.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. So, well, congratulations to them. And um, it's time for the final question. So my next guest is Carolyn Schiff. She is the executive pastry chef at Gage Tolder, which is a historic oyster and chop house. And their history, they opened in 1879... Closed in 2004 and reopened in 2021. And I've been back there and um, I really, I really enjoyed it, Cajun Tolner. And she's also the pastry chef at Sunken Harbor Club, which is the nautical cocktail bar they have on the second floor. That's kind of hidden, but um, it is is a part of this restaurant group. So Carolyn's going to be coming on the show. And this is all the restaurants in downtown Brooklyn. So, Marcus, can you please ask a question for Carolyn?
3: Question for Carolyn. Uh, first of all, I mean, you know, as everybody knows, I'm all about desserts, and I'm all about uh, ending the meal m- most most of the time with desserts because I mean, think desserts are the most important part for a- in any in any meal I, I go out to. And as well as Koloman, I'm thinking of Garchantolna is very similar in terms of like taking old ideas and old uh, 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 recipes and making them sort of in a way which is uh, today. And I would just like to know from her how, how what's her thought process about the desserts she has on the menu currently, and how she developed them and brought them into into now.
1: Excellent! I will find out. Her desserts are really they're great. Yeah, um, so are yours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's for the, the most th-
3: important thing. Yeah. I, I love pastry chefs because you know pastry chef had a hard time in the last couple of years because the first thing any 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 restaurant yeah. tour did was getting rid of pastry because everything gets so expensive. And I think even with Coleman, we did exactly the opposite. I wanted to have the best possible pastry chef to, to lead my uh, pastry program or our pastry program. And, you know, it's, it's sort of coming back. I think people would like to see a nice dessert. And even if it's a dessert to share, it's, it's something, it shouldn't be missed in any meal.
1: I agree. I mean, to my speed round question, I go, I, you know, I do dessert over cheese plate, but um, yeah, it's, um, it's nice to end the meal with the, with the, with the good sweet. And so I will, I will ask her and find out. I'm excited to have her on and been very happy to have you on. Very exciting to, that you came out here of to course, Brooklyn in Thank person, you. busy guy. And I really appreciate your time and congratulations on all your success. Thank you so
3: much. And hope I see you soon at Coleman.
1: Yes, I will be back. I'm due. I, I, I feel, I mean, I came with a friend last time, but um, which I may do again, but your bar is also very inviting in the front. You know, We open
3: at four o'clock, it drinks, and then at five o'clock we serve food. So anytime.
1: Are you going to start doing lunch or brunch at any point?
3: Uh, we started brunch already okay. and we will do lunch as well, but probably going to be uh, early January, we're going to start lunch. But Saturday, Sunday, we open for brunch and it's a beautiful sort of Viennese yeah. uh, uh, Parisian brunch.
1: Amazing. I will be back and um, thank you so much.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: And I will see you soon. My guest today has been Marcus Glocker. He's the chef and partner at Coloman in New York City's nomad neighborhood. His website is colomanrestaurant.com. Again, that's with a K. And follow him at Marcus Glocker. Also all K's. You're you're yeah. There is there's something there's something with that. <laughs> um, I'm saying Marcus with a K. Um, and at in NYC is their social media. And you can follow me at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry, and my websites are BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and All in the Industry.com. All of our shows are archived at Heritage Radio Network.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Thanks to my engineer today, Armin. Thanks again to Marcus. So next week, I actually, actually have a special on the road show that's going to be covering the worlds of flavor conference in Napa, which I was at in November. And the theme was Africa in the world. And I have two interviews on for that show. It's going to be with Pierre TM and Zoe, a And, um, then my show, then I'm taking a break for the new year and holidays. And then my show with Carolyn Sheff will be on January 11th. So stay tuned next week. There is a new show, but just like so you know, my show with Carolyn's not till 2023, which is hard to believe. We're almost at the new year. <laughs> um, and uh, thank you for being all in the industry. I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bayer. Um, I'll be back with the show next week. Take care. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.